This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Stop talking. We got a <laughs> got a podcast to do. Damn oh. it! All right, are you all set? I'm set. You got your notes. I got a lot of notes, but you know, nothing probably I'm going to refer to, depending on how the conversation Pro- goes. Probably right. Not. Hey, Holly. Hi, Dave. Welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Thank you. Welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Um, Holly's a little nervous because we have a guest in the house. We do. I'm so excited. <laughs> right. Um, our guest is Mr. Nick Betting. I remember Nick. Back in the day, <laughs> I just I just knew him from phone calls. It was some guy with a fake English accent that was trying to prove he he knew music. Now he's to pour it on today to make us know that it's genuine. Yes, well, I Authentic. feel very welcome. Yeah. You know, like a phony. Yeah. <laughs> no, welcome, Nick. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you. inviting me. So, so happy uh, to have you. Yeah. So Nick is a. a Music radio, music promoter. What, what would we call you? Yeah, Just I'm a pro- Nick, tell us about yourself. I'm a promotion guy. <laughs> um, well, yes, I am indeed a promotion guy. But what a promotion guy is, is someone that works for a artist that takes their music, their singles to radio. And I've been privileged to be able to do that for a good few years. And I love it. I can't play a lick, so it's as close as I can get to the <laughs> action. And it's super fun. <laughs> when you love music and when you love radio. Yeah, just yeah. be in the thick of it all the it's time. A good it's combo. a treat. Yes. Yeah. So we will get into you at uh, you. You worked <laughs> at Capitol and you worked at Hollywood. I did. Had a cup of coffee at a industry uh, magazine. I remember. <laughs> Thank you, you for bringing that up. Oh, those were good times. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into all that. Oh, I want to know who you worked. For. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about okay. that. So we'll kind of lead up. We'll start. Uh, you know, start the childhood and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't believe Nick is an American. We just learned that he. Just recently became an American, like a decade ago. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good thing, Dave. I'm very happy to be a, an American. Okay. Yes. When you get, you're going to get rid of that accent finally? No, mate. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get rid of it. It's charming. Yeah, I'm partial to it. Yeah. So, <laughs> to an English accent. <laughs> so we always do talk about the '80s, as apparently this is what the theme of our podcast is. Um, and Nick grew up in England, which is what we were fascinated with. In the eighties, uh, yes, yeah, and just yeah. the 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 style, the the music, uh, fashion, dance, everything, and apparently you were fourteen years old, at, right in the right in the thick of things, right when a young Nick Betting was budding <laughs> and and learning all about things. Yes. So what was what was the first uh, what was the first single or or album you ever bought? Ooh, good question. 
Well, I, I would say the the song that probably really kind of brought me into like, oh yeah, I'm feeling this was uh, Gangsters by the Specials. Really? I know that doesn't surprise you, Dave, because I am a that, ska. How person. old were you? That's a. I was in a pretty- I was in high school in the UK, so I was probably about twelve, thirteen, somewhere in that zone. Okay. And uh, I remember I was in the car. My mama picked me up, and we were driving home from school, and it came on Capital Radio. Isn't it good to know Capital Radio? You can turn on the friends, you can turn on the show, you can turn on the world with Capital Radio. Such a good way to make your day. Like, we have to go and get this. And there was this little record store on this bridge that went over the train tracks. And we went there and I went inside. And you remember that two-tone label? That was pretty pretty cool. So yeah. that, that, was the, that was the first record that I ever really that, – that, that was like a turning point for me. But then from that point on, I, um, I, I, I took the train up to London to the HMV shop to get the fresh out-of-the-box haircut 100 Pelican West album. <laughs> and, and so HMV, that was your uh, that was your go to place. Well, we had smaller record shops in Croydon where I grew up, but like to get stuff quickly, you had to get up to town to get it, and that was evidently a big priority for me. Nick Haywood went to a rival high school of mine. I went How to Langley that? Park. He went to Kelsey Park, and so he was kind of a cult hero in the uh, SE SE twenty area of London. So yeah, I went up to town to get that one, and then also the other big moment for me was cool in the gang yeah i'm all, i was all over but uh, again this is you know london in that particular time there was a big you know soul jazz funk thing going on and then <laughs> i was sort of discovering all this sort of new music that i hadn't really been exposed to even though my mom and dad my mom's only 20 years older than me so she grew up in the 60s and trojan reggae was a big thing so i've always had sort of reggae around in my life so i think when i heard the specials i was kind of like whoa what's going on here a friend of ours when i was a kid his his brother worked in london and and he would always bring home these 12 inches of spandau ballet or joy division and we were like what is he listening to this is pretty cool (laughs) well i'm good i'm I was going to ask you about your mother because the fact that you just asked her to stop at the record store when you heard the specials on the radio and she did must have – they fostered your love. Only child. Music. Only child. You know, <laughs> God bless my mom. She was always like, yeah. oh, well, we'll do that. So it was, it was good. Yeah. Did you know what the specials looked like? I mean when you got yeah. the album, I mean because it's – they had a unique look, but this was just based on, on the sound. That was absolutely just- based on the sound. So, of course, when I actually saw the look – I was in. I was like, oh. And again, my parents grew up in the 60s, quintessentially mods, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was always a little bit built in for me, I think. And so, uh, yeah, when I saw the style, I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And certainly jumped to emulate that pretty quickly as I sit here in a Fred Perry today. Yeah. <laughs> You've evolved. Cool. Everybody, style changes. It's good. Not for Nick. <laughs> <laughs> keeping, it, keeping it real. Uh, and what was your first did your parents take you to uh, any concerts or what was your first show what do you remember i'm pretty proud of this one you guys okay this is is my first show and uh it was at the lewisham uh yeah the lewisham odeon i want to i want to say and uh i had to take the bus from croydon into lewisham which at the time was a pretty 
pretty rough area of, of London, but... Uh, and you were how old at this time? Well, if I came here when I was 15, so yeah, I was like 13, 14. All right. So I know, it's crazy, right? Right, I know. Sending um, your kids off on the bus to a class. <laughs> I know. My mom and dad did pick me up, which that's a whole other story. But that, that is awesome. But, um, you know, but you know, I was laced up in my two-tone tonic pants and loafers. I was ready, Dave. Okay. And, uh, and it was the selector. Is that right? Mm. It was the selector with the body snatchers, which uh, was a, I mean, it was just great. I mean, you can imagine. That's so much cooler than anything you or I could say you know, about our first concert. Take, taking the bus to uh, in our two tone shoes. And, it was uh, uh, to it was, see the selector to see instead the selector. of you know. Yeah, it was it was right. good. That's a that's a that's a fun memory. Sim- and again, simply because you know that was the first time that you feel like you're a part of something. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I obviously had a lot of love for music, and as I said, there was this sort of we used to call them soul boys. You know, they were listening to like Shack Attack and Level Forty Two and. That was kind of like the London thing, and you sort of like become a part of that. But then, as the ska thing began to evolve, I definitely was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this." And obviously, you know, the jam, the secret affair. There was like the mod thing that was happening on that side, and you know, you're kids, so you're 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 kind of like morphed into both of those, which is a poser, you know. But <laughs> nevertheless, I was young enough to get away with it. But. Um, but both, I mean, the jam, obviously, Paul Weller has been a, a major influence for me over the years. And, and uh, again, reggae or ska has also been just a, a passion for me. It's so funny that you, you referred to it as a poser, as being a poser, because I, you know, Dave gave me just a little bit of background before this conversation. And I thought, I remember those years and, you know, love the music, probably not as well versed. But I wondered what I wanted to ask you, Dave, was when you were in high school, I know the whole mod ska thing was there were a, cu- a few kids at school, you know, that dressed that way and listened to the music. And I thought, oh, this is really cool, you know, but if I take that on, I'm going to be a total poser, you know, because I don't I don't know enough. Did you? At your, oh, yeah. At I was El totally Camino? like that. Yeah. I can't relate to, <laughs> to ska kids. I dress, you know, but you want to was... look like it. You want to look the part, but uh, would... you want to be the part. And I don't know if I could genuinely be the part. No, no one. No one could do that. Actually, actually, I have a friend of mine um, who adapted to to the UK style, dressed like a tried to dress like a mod, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. He, <laughs> he was dressed as a, he what he felt that was very cool and hip, and you know because he was into that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there happened to be a um, like a, a talent scout or someone who was going. They were waiting in line for a movie, and this woman saw saw him. And she's like, do you act? And it, like as a joke. Based like, on the clothes you're like, wearing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sh- whatever. So it's like, you know what? You'd be perfect for this, this movie that we're working on. And so it turns out the movie was 16 Candles and he, oh played, he played Cliff and he was like the nerd. He was dressed. So he, what he felt of like he was dressed cool. This woman saw him was like, oh, this is this is perfect for him because he is clearly not not a good fit for the for not this. a conformist. He's not, he doesn't fit into this this look, um, which is probably how we all felt. But obviously, he was called out on that. Like he felt he was he was super cool. That's pretty funny. Yeah, basically, I dressed like a surfer dude because you know I had yeah. my I had my Ocean Pacific and my you know Lightning Bolt shirts. That's what I yeah. wore. I wasn't you know. Well, that I was mean, much more common here. Well, and and again. Moving here at 15, you know, that was a, a pretty big transition. And my Did you take that fashion too? 
Oh, are you really going to make me put this out there? Yeah, so, I, I have yeah. to. Um, <laughs> no, so we moved here and we moved to Valencia, Saugus area. That's where awesome that's town. Awesome town. That's where I went to high school. And um, so I came. We came in May, and then so we started summer school. It was health and driver's ed. So I was I was ready, Dave. I was ready. <laughs> Back when they oh, gave driver's ed to, in high school, you had to drive on the other side of the road. Oh, it was very complicated. But I didn't drive in the UK, so it was all what? it was all relative. Okay. But so I, I show up for my first day of summer school, and I am just laced up in like maroon pants, maroon shoes, maroon shirt, <laughs> Still maroon remember. sweater. It's like a hundred degrees in Valencia, and I'm just like, I have arrived. And your look, Dave, your look, the OP look with the uh, journey shirt. I yeah. mean, that was kind of like the thing, right? And of course. oh my god. Needless to say, I made a quick dash to get a pair of Vans, some OPs. I needed to fit in pretty quick, which I did. I, I went and did that. I was like, I need to have this stuff because I look like a fish out of water. And being an only child, your mother ran out and got you everything <laughs> you needed. I'll time. say it again. God bless my mom. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and that was a pretty short, you know, period of time, like that summer school. And then, you know, you kind of, as a teenager, you know, I was trying to fit in and things were, you know, music was changing. And, uh, you know, I, I brought probably about 100 smash hits with me from the UK. and. Mm-hmm. And again, I somehow, um, you know, I'd already had like the 12 inch of like See You by Depeche Mode. I mean, and I think that was the other point I wanted to touch on is that, you know, music did it kind of move quickly in London. You know, it was like I'm not saying that the specials went away or Madness went away or any of that thing went away, but like the trends kind of evolved. And I think that radio certainly played a big part in that. Um, so when I went back to, to high school, I, I just... I, I knew I knew I had to fit in, but I definitely was like, I was a little bit of a fish out of water. And uh, thankfully, there was a kid that lived close to me by the name of Chris that 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 took me under his wing, and and it all worked out. <laughs> it's, it's terrible when you're that age and you're feeling like you, I mean, we all felt like we had to fit in. But you have your stuff that you like, your music that you like, your clothes that you like, that that's not that that other 15 year olds aren't accepting that. And it's a whole other conversation, I realize, but right, <laughs> right out of the bat, you know, right off the bat that that you feel like you have to change when you're really passionate about what you what you like. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, as, as you say, being a teenager is is complicated. And and I will say that having, you know, once I became friends with this guy, Chris, he was the one that sort of. I know it sounds weird, but like when you're on your own, you kind of feel like, oh, my God. But then once I had someone sort of wingmanning me, I kind of felt more confident to yeah. like own kind of my space. Um, but, yeah, music was the, the – and you touched on it. Music was the driver. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 100%. That's what shaped my whole vibe, my look. And, you know, I mean, that was just <laughs> – that was just it. You had a nice dress rehearsal for summer before, <laughs> yes. the, before the real season <laughs> and the fall starts. <laughs> Did you yeah. meet that? You met Chris in the summer? Is that? Uh, I met him when I went to, to Saugus High School. I met him uh, when I started there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was it was fun. It was good. It's Great guy. He works for Spotify now. So look oh, at that. that. Yeah. Exactly. How about that? How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, so you knew who to gravitate to because. Well, you yeah. know, uh, we all sitting here because we're music geeks, yeah. right? So that's what I mean. So <laughs> yeah. it started early, early, early on with you. Like, I'm going to go to Spotify. You know, that's it. Good journeys. Good journeys. Yeah. So, all right. So you kind of had to acclimate to, to what did you listen to? I mean, obviously you had your, your thing. And mm-hmm. when did you, what did you start listening to when you came to, to Valencia? You had a, a few LA radio stations. Were, oh. you, were you listening to radio or was it, uh, did you rely on other people? 
There was no uh, Spotify or I know there was. Yeah, I know. What, I, 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 there was no uh, HMV in Valencia. I really did rely on my own music, probably simply because we were out there and, and K-Rock was in existence, but the signal was rough mm-hmm. up there. I mean, we would, w- the comedy is we would listen to it, you know, scratchily like, oh, what are they playing? You know, it was that curiosity. And then, and then somewhere along the line, Chris's brother became a DJ at a local radio station in, in Valencia or Canyon Country or something. So we'd just like call in requests. And I think like Chris was like lacing him up with like records to play and stuff, you know. So so it was was some good comedy. But but yeah, it was, I was really, as I say, when I came here, you know, I had sort of gone through this arc of what was the specials all the way through to, you know, having Depeche Mode records in my, in my collection. And, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I listened a lot to that and I was still pen palling with friends from the UK. Mm -hmm. So they would, tipped me off mm-hmm. to what was happening and it was weird things like kid creole and the coconuts and you're like really that's big there right now but um <laughs> but again the trends moved pretty fra- fast through london i think back then but uh but yeah so that I, w- I was living in my own space with smash hits and trying to turn on people like hey have you heard this <laughs> did anybody take to it what were they listening to and did they turn you on to any of- um well i think again it was pretty mainstream at that point right because we didn't have mm-hmm the access that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say that pro- probably, and I'll, I'll go back to Chris again here, where, you know, he, he there was a there was a, a punk in school, kind of like the, the one guy. And his, oh, yeah. And his yeah. Name, I had that one guy. Yeah, yeah, and his name was Rio, and he was kind of like the <laughs> cult hero at school, and Chris was friends with him. So obviously I think at that point the, the clash was probably in, you know, kind of floating in that ether, and mm-hmm. Chris has certainly gravitated towards stuff like that. And then, obviously, as as the '80s started to unfold, because that was '80 what two, you know, it was just like all of a sudden, here comes all this music, and you know, Planet Earth came out in what '81, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So, as it started to evolve here, I was kind of like, well, yeah, this is, this is gonna be good. I'm English; they're English. <laughs> He's my uncle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say that. Nobody would know. <laughs> I never played that card. <laughs> Did your fashion start to change again? I mean, obviously, you you know, you yes, from I, maroon to to Ocean Pacific. Did you go back to one hundred percent? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I at that point, I started to you know. But where do you shop? Where do you go? That's a good question. I, I, Thrift shopping. Yeah. Aardvark at I, the time? Or? I don't know. He's, he's in I, Valencia. Yeah. He has no access to a car. But but we we would <laughs> fantasize about the idea of going down to Melrose and, yeah. oh, man, if we could just get down there because none of us had a car at that point. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, it was, I, I was probably pretty straight ahead in what I was wearing, but, you know, would try to change it up a little bit. And when my mom would go and my – mom's, my mom's family was in the U.K., so when she would go, she'd bring something back that was trendy and – I'd wear it out, you know, but, you know, we certainly would emulate as much as we could with what we had. And then, you know, one way or another, you're like, I think I look good. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, I'm not sure, but it was, uh, but it was fun. Let's take a break right now. Now? Already? Yeah, it's time. I feel like we just got here. All right. Well, let's get some donuts. episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. talk hair then what oh well that, <laughs> that's well so obviously you know getting a good haircut's a part of you know the whole look being, you know, being the part so i <laughs> oh dave <laughs> so i in high school they offered a, a an occupational program yeah and one of it was beauty school oh yeah so i was like this seems like a perfect place <laughs> <laughs> for me to spend some quality time and I did. I went and I got my uh, my license. So when I graduated high school, I actually graduated with my with my uh, cosmetology license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was all. It's amazing. But, but but certainly all driven from you know uh, music, fashion, hair. I kind of was like you know uh, this all works together. So that was kind of like my my driver. I think I was like oh yeah, I want to give really cool haircuts. Did you? Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I may have had my moments, and and uh, I certainly en- thoroughly enjoyed working in that business. I mean, again, it was incredibly creative, and yeah. at that time, I mean, this is I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but like I, I started working at a, a shop called Carrera, which was made up of like these hipsters that all lived in the valley, and it was a it was a funky little shop. It was like you know. The makeup artist was English, and, you know, they all looked like they just stepped out of Prince's band. And it was, you know, I was definitely a fish out of water myself there. But it was super cool, I en- and I ended up uh, working for um, Sebastian, Cassandra, which was a salon in the, in the, in the Valley of Cassandra 2000, and it was like, wow. It was a, that was like, you know, you'd arrived. If you were getting your yeah. hair cut there, you were like, woof, you know, come on. And so <laughs> I ended up... Uh, uh, ended up getting a job there, and 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 it was and it was great. And then they opened a salon in Beverly Hills, and I went to that shop with them uh, in an assistant role. Um, and then Sebastian was coming on strong, right? It was so image focused. It was like the music, everything meant something. Jerry Cazenza is a visionary. You know, she created this incredible product and marketed it incredibly. Yeah. Um, and so then I ended up working for Sebastian. At the uh, at their center in Woodland Hills, and you know that's kind of where you know the stylist would do presentations, and now their hairdressers would come in, and it was super cool, and I loved it. And I swear, I was in 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 the house for like I don't know a month, and then I think it's Wella came in and bought Sebastian and blew everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a stranger to yeah, being unemployed. <laughs> I used to get my hair cut there, yeah. when, when it was Sebastian. Oh. Is on. DeSoto, it's yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah. The pyramid. Yep. Yeah, that's a very. That was a, <laughs> it was a cool spot. It was yep. a cool spot. But uh, your hair. but yeah, so that yes. was you know that again all of that was tied together, and I did meet a lot of people, and obviously at that point it was, you know, Scritti Politti, it was Dead or Alive, you know, it was that whole scene that was happening, and obviously the Prince scene and so on, and, and again music just played such a huge part, and uh, the guy that I worked for, Arthur, still a friend of mine, still cuts my hair. 
Um, and uh, they were the ones that would like, you know, sneak me into like power tools and stuff, you know, and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. And it was like the music was just the greatest. And, you know, you're just thriving off that whole scene. You're young, you're excitable, you know, and it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and it and certainly, certainly shaped further of or, or shaped more of what I wanted to to be or, or be into or allow me to be into. So, yeah, it was it was a fun little. Yeah, sure. That is a transition you don't you wouldn't normally hear. No, for sure. Well, he I, I, was Warren Beatty, man. <laughs> <laughs> picturing that right now. Oh yeah, uh, not so much. Um, well, the, the thing about being an assistant at any well back then at any shop, you you know, if they were working on a new style, it was like, hey, sit down, we're going to cut your hair. So I had some pretty interesting <laughs> haircuts along the way, but um, but yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. And then did you go directly from hair to music? Oh, man, you guys are really going on me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> this is really why, interesting. Why did we have is... you sit there? Did you <laughs> not know why you, you're here? Did you no. know we were just going to talk about ska and mods? And <laughs> No, I, I love this. It's, it's fun to, to, to relive it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. So a woman that I work with at Cassandra, her name is Marina, um, after the, the Wella bought the center and it changed – she called and was like, "Hey, I'm doing uh, I'm doing hair on this show called Top of the Pops. Would you be interested in being second hair?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, oh. I would." And and it was uh, what year is that? Eighty seven, I want to say something around that point. Okay. Nia Peoples was the host, and it was kind of like where they would jump back and forth forth from the BBC show to mm-hmm. the American show, and um, so it was it was it was. A great opportunity to one get introduced to the entertainment business on that level, and you know, I would uh, I was meeting my my new heroes and swing out sister, the lovely Corinne, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was it was it was cool. It was a, a really good experience, and you know, uh, I obviously grew up watching Top of the Pop, so it was a kind of like a you know a moment for me. And then through that, I ended up meeting um, the executive producer Troy Miller and Joel Gallen, who was the director. Uh, Joel ended up being the MTV, you know, uh, head of production for them. And Troy Miller's gone on to be a very successful producer director himself. And uh, they were like, you should come and work with us. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This can only happen in the 80s. Right. You should come and work for us. And uh, so I did. I was like, (laughs) I I didn't have much to lose and a lot to gain. And and they put me in the post-production department. Okay. And, I, and I had no idea what that was, but I was like, I'm here. I'm working on Universal Studios. This is incredible. And uh, they put me in this room full of three-quarter inch tape and gave me a degausser and said, all these tapes need to be erased. Right. I was like, well, wait, wait, what? <laughs> so I went from show business, <laughs> entertainment. I can't leave show business. <laughs> it's a glamorous life. Um, and But from there, obviously, they um, – I feel very fortunate to have a lot of, and Troy was a great mentor in that, in that scenario and uh, went on to work for a guy with Troy called Steve Binder, mm-hmm. uh, Binder Entertainment. And Steve yeah. Binder directed Elvis in Elvis, the 60th yeah. comeback special. And so we did, a, that was just a, a super interesting space to be because we were doing Pee Wee's Playhouse at that time and Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And it was like these sort of like trendy, wow. trendy shows. And, um, and it was a great, again, another great experience and certainly eye-opening to um, 
what is available because, you know, a kid from South London doesn't really think that he's going to either one become a hairdresser or work in top of the pops or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it was, it was really fun to be a part of that. And again, it was young and it was energetic and it was, it was awesome. And, uh, we worked for MTV. Well, when Joel went to New York, um, Troy and Joel were very tight. And obviously that we did a lot of the West coast production for MTV, a lot of the wraparounds with Martha and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And that's when I started really thinking like production's cool. But I do love music. <laughs> how, how do I do this? Um, and then we did a show called Skate TV for MTV Networks, and it was very heavily music-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of montage stuff of skaters and um, a super cool show. And I was like, this is, this is making a lot of sense to me. I love, like, music against picture. And yeah, I was just definitely, like, I had the bug at that point. I was like, I got to figure this out. And again, being English, I was like, there's just one stop for me, and it's Virgin Records. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. Oh, yeah. It's a true story. And so I, I put, like, my best, like, trendy outfit on, and I walked uh, walked into the lobby of Virgin. What is, okay. Maroon what pants. Is, what is your best? Yeah, exactly. What oh, is your it, best, your trendy outfit? Yeah. What year? Were we at 88? Um, 89? Yeah, it's probably okay. 88. All right, so late. Okay. Yeah. All right, so the best trendy outfit. I think at that point I'd, I'd come back from the UK and I had a pair of those really like pointed, like, you know, like pointed shoes. And th- those were like, man, if you were rocking those, you were like, you're bringing out the big guns. I'm picturing like creeper, like creeper. It was like a creepery like, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and, and I had the, I got this jacket from, uh, I can't believe I remember this from American. Of course Rag. you do. And, it, <laughs> and I love that jacket. It was like, just very cool. Or at least I thought it was. <laughs> So I wore that. In 88 it was. <laughs> and I walked into the lobby and they were on Alden and they, it was this place they used to call the bungalow. It was like this little house and, you know, you, you walk in and the, the, the lobby is very small and the receptionist was up high. And I remember like looking <laughs> up like, hi, how do I get a job here? <laughs> like Wizard of Oz, you're looking up at the, <laughs> and the, ignorance, I- is, the ignorance is bliss scenario, you know. Way better off that way. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. much Otherwise so. we'd be just stuck in our own. Yeah, luck. Yes, yes, yeah. Sometimes you, I do get my own way, that's for sure. But uh, um, but it was one of those things, too. Do you have a resume? And I was like, yes. And I gave her my resume, and and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Off I went, and I was like, wow, I did it. I got my resume in there. <laughs> and I kid you not, I get a phone call like two days later, and they're like, hey, uh, we have a position open we'd like you to come in for. I was like, what? <laughs> I did not get the job, but it was one of those things where you're like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. And again, working for MTV, I was like lacing up the, you know, the HR woman with an MTV T-shirt. Like, hey, don't forget about me. I was you're like right. doing promotion before I knew I was doing promotion. Exactly. Um, and then uh, I got a call and they were like, there's a, there's a, there's a job in the promotion department. Uh, and again, I say this. You know, I, I didn't know what promotion was. All I knew is I needed to get in the door one way or another. Mail room didn't matter, just needed to get in the door. So I go in and um, I meet with uh, a couple people, uh, Tom and Iris, and they were great. And she did like crossover promotion and then he did the AC promotion. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. And then I got the call back. Like, they want to see you again. <laughs> so I come back. And I meet with, uh, I'm supposed to meet with Michael Plen, who was a senior VP of promotion. And he was with uh, Steve Winwood in, in Nashville. Can you believe I recall this yeah. stuff? It's <laughs> no. insane. So they're like, you're going to be meeting with Phil Costello. 
And I said, okay. And so um, I walk into this office and there's this guy sitting there. He's wearing John Fluvog's. He's got a cool haircut. He's smoking cigarettes. He's got, you know, CDs piled up everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is cool. This guy. <laughs> I want to be like this guy. So um, we had a great conversation and, um, you know, I, I was still at MTV and I, I just on the MTV Music Awards and it was like, you know, it was, everything was kind of like, it was all very current and it all felt right. And he's like, well, you know, hopefully we can get you in here. And I it was like, that'd be amazing. You know? <laughs> and then I, I can't, this part's a little blurry, but then I just remember like Tom called me and he's like, Hey, I have great news for you with Iris. And they were like, we'd love you to come in. And of course I was ecstatic. And, and then I was commuting from Saugus to, uh, Beverly Hills every day. <laughs> but that's what we did for our first early on oh, in our absolutely. careers. We were yeah. very happy to do that. Absolutely. Saugus. And, well, why were you in Saugus? I mean, that's that's where we actually officially lived. Oh, okay. Lived in Saugus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're like, yeah. I need to find a new place on my own. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I definitely. <laughs> it's like a lovely, lovely place. Okay. So I, I definitely hung on to home for as long okay. as I could. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, that's that's that is a sort of an, in a nutshell how how that. How that all sort of came together, and so you really made that happen. You're saying you, you know, lucked into that, but you said I want to work in music, and uh, I definitely, you did. I definitely, I mean, you know, now that I look back at it, and you know, sort of reflection on on college, and and I do definitely have like oh, I wish I'd have pursued that, but I was pursuing the hair thing. It wasn't like I wasn't interested in furthering that. It was just that my path went in a different space, and. Again, I, I feel very, very fortunate that I was afforded opportunities that opened my eyes wider and wider and wider as I was mm-hmm. moving through the process. And so that's when I was kind of like, oh, in the, you know, obviously the music thing was like sort of unattainable, right? You'd drive by the Capitol Records Tower and be like, how? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, how? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was, it, I'm working at Virgin at that point was just phenomenal. I mean, it was, you know, soul to soul, public image. It was just, it was, it was awesome. Thank you for the years. Let's uh, end it right here, and we will uh, pick up uh, next week with, <laughs> with more fun and shenanigans. Until next week. This is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 